Welcome to this episode of Clarity Generates Confidence. We're in season three, and the season is called Accelerating Certainty. I got to tell you, it's a real pleasure to have with me this guest we have today, Lisa Talbot, I've known for a number of years and have such a great appreciation for the work that she does. And Lisa is the executive director of the Kids Ability Foundation. And I was asking with Lisa because I've known in the Kids Ability Foundation for quite a while when I was involved in the Rotary Club. And, and Kids Ability has been going since 1957, so now 65th year. But what's really great about this organization is the Kids Ability empowers children and youth with special needs to realize their full potential. And I just got asked, Lisa, it's got to be amazing to just watch the children that come in and the families and, and what happens to them over the time that you're able to work with them there. Hi, Gary. Yes, it is incredible to see the kids that we help and to see the progress that they can make with a little bit of extra support and therapy. They can do things that many times their parents didn't think they were ever going to be able to do. And I've worked there long enough that I've actually seen little ones that, you know, I've seen them grow up. And I had one young lady, her name is Caitlin, just a really quick story. When she was three or four years old, she came to Kids Ability for Speech Therapy and I got to know the family. And she is now a, a young woman and she came in to see me just uh, before Christmas. And she was so excited to tell me that she was going to university to become a speech therapist because she wanted to give back to do exactly, you know, to provide the support to other kids to get the support that she received. So it's amazing to see it come full circle. That's got to be so rewarding to see that happen. It's incredibly rewarding. And there's literally hundreds and hundreds of stories that are behind the walls of kids' ability of kids that, you know, are exceeding their milestones. And it's just wonderful to see it. You know, as you brought up that story, it also reminds me of a story that I had because the Rotary Club is uh, Kitchener-Conestoga that I was part of for a long time. It was a big sponsor for Kids Ability. And we also did a dream home and we do a dream home every fall coming in December. And I remember one night I'm sitting there selling these tickets. The tickets were $100 a piece, you know, and the home was worth a couple hundred thousand or more at the time. And it was a cold and snowy night. And this family drove up and came in and said, you know, I've already bought one ticket, but I'm going to buy another ticket. And it didn't look like they, you know, had tons of money to, to burn and, and spare, but wanted to say, listen, the Kids Ability Center has done so much. You see, we just wanted to give back. And I was sitting there by myself. I was so moved by them coming up and wanting to come in and do this. And as it just gave me a, at least a small sense of appreciation for the kinds of things that, that Kids Ability did. And I got to see it, you know, firsthand from that perspective. Well, that's amazing. We have a lot of families that, you know, when they're able to, they do choose to give back because they are so grateful for the services and the support that's, you know, helped their family to do to do things that we take for granted. You know, we might be helping a young child learn how to ride a modified bike and mom and dad are, you know, sometimes we've heard moms in tears because she never thought they would be able to, as a family, go for a bike ride together. And so, you know, we're making those types of things happen at Kids Ability for Families. And it's such a big impact. I have huge respect for Rotarians and the work that they do in the community. And so proud to work alongside them for all sorts of events that, that they do to support kids in our community and, and many other charities in the community. They're sort of an unsung hero to me locally. 
Yeah. You know, I, I'm no longer a member, but I was for quite a number of years. And it was really great to be part of it. One, to get to know the community, because I don't do a lot of work inside the, in our current community, but also just to see the impact that you can have. Yeah. We were involved one time buying a building and yeah. we, we bought a building. And I think that's where I'm trying to name, think of the name of the Greek restaurant that's in there right now uh, in the basement. And they bought the building and then turned it over to various charities. And I thought, wow, what, what a cool thing to be able to do, you know, and, but that's the power of people working together with a single purpose. And, and I feel the same for what's happened to kids' ability to maintain that same focus and the same drive to contribute and to help other families back for such a long period of time. So. So Lisa, a bit about you. How long have you been at Kids Ability then? I'm in my 22nd year with the foundation. And when I started with the organization, I had not worked in the charitable sector before, but I, I had a real calling to want to work in the sector. And I was just so thrilled to get the opportunity to do that at Kids Ability. And I've worked in various roles, all within the foundation and all within fundraising. And been in my current role, I think about 15 or 16 years and just love what I do and love seeing the families and the progress that the kids make. It's an inspiring organization and an amazing team behind the scenes that make it all happen from the staff to the volunteers to the board members. There's such a strong commitment and such an alignment of values, I find. We're all, you know, working towards the same goals, whether you're, you know, involved in cleaning floors or you're involved in providing direct therapy, there's a real sense of commitment to the kids that that we're helping and we all have a role to play in that. So since you've been heavily involved in the foundation, what is it about the, the people that choose to contribute to the Kids Ability Foundation? Do you find the same kind of purpose, I'd say, the same kind of values that you find within the center itself? I would say absolutely, definitely similar value alignment. We definitely have, as I mentioned, a number of families that choose to give back because they they feel that gratitude and they want to give back. But we have a lot of donors who, you know, have said to me, they have, you know, healthy kids or healthy grandkids, and they just feel blessed about that. But they're grateful that there's an organization like Kids Ability that's there to help families when they really need it. And I do think when you donate, you you can do that to really align with your personal values. And I think one of our values at Kids Ability that a lot of people are attracted to is the value of inclusion. We all want to belong. We all want to feel part of something. And we do a huge amount of work to help ensure that kids can belong and fully participate in our community, whether that's working with a soccer coach that, you know, we're going to show them how to help a child with a disability participate or working with a swimming program to make sure that they can help children who need adopted support. We want everybody to belong and to participate in the community. And I think we all can understand what it feels like when you don't feel like you belong. So I think that's a strong value that really does align with a lot of our supporters. That really brings up a real big question and thought for me, because the last couple of years, we haven't all been able to be together. So what have you seen that's changed, maybe at the center, if anything at all, or, or with those who, families who want to contribute? What have you seen change over this period mm -hmm. of time? Well, a huge change that Kids Ability went through with 
you know, having to go through lockdowns and such was how do we provide services when we actually can't, for a period of time, we could not have families come on site. We do now today, but the organization had to look at how can we provide virtual therapy? And it was a huge change and a huge challenge, but it was something that has worked well, not for every type of therapy, but it works for a number of types of therapy. So that's one change that actually in the end, it's a positive because we'll never not provide virtual therapy. We now know there's huge benefits. You know, if you think about a family where maybe mom has a two-year-old that's home and the two-year-old's sick, but the four-year-old needs to get therapy. So she would maybe cancel that appointment because she doesn't want to go to the appointment with a sick child. Well, now they can do that appointment online. So it does break down barriers when you can open up the communication and have new ways to connect. So that is one positive. Definitely for donors, we have found it's a challenge in terms of we used to do a lot of tours, as an example, bringing donors in to see firsthand how their donations are making an impact. And we haven't really been able to do tours in the last couple of years. And so we've changed to doing more videos. So sending videos to show donors the impact of their giving. So for our organization, and I think for many, there was a need to look at a way to reach donors and individuals digitally. And again, it's something that we're going to continue to do, even though, you know, we look forward to being able to do in-person events again. And we had a superhero run that we weren't able to do for the last two years, but we converted it to a virtual superhero challenge that people could do on their own. And we doubled our fundraising for that event by moving it from in-person to do this activity on your own. So the connectivity is definitely still a challenge. And you know, I'm in fundraising because I love building relationships. And so, you know, I am looking forward to hopefully a time where we can be together again with, you know, donors and families and celebrate their accomplishments. But it's been a huge challenge for, I think, every sector in trying to help to maintain some connectivity. Well, Lisa, what you just described is very similar to what business has been going through. Mm-hmm. And in our case, because like all of us, we were all locked out of our, chose to be locked out of our offices, depending upon your businesses. And we learned how to do some things quite a bit differently and uh, to be more virtual. I was just really fascinating to hear that you actually doubled the fundraising with what I'll call the Superhero Super Challenge event. I And I just don't see that. I think there'll be some people who will be quite happy to not be in person and to still take it on a virtual basis. And even though we will have the option to do both now, which we didn't have a couple of years ago. Absolutely. And it it's, it is breaking down barriers for, you know, there might be some people that they can't easily get themselves to an event or it's a way that we can be more inclusive for sure to have different options for the ways that people can connect with us. Yeah. And so that, to me, that was a big part. And one of the reasons why I really wanted you to come on was I, have certainly felt over a couple of years because I'm an in-person style of individual and not having had that contact. If I didn't have the Zoom, if I didn't have the opportunity to do that, that would have been, this last couple of years would have been pretty isolating. But the fact that we've got this now and we're able to do it has really allowed me to say, I, 
I need to use this to be able to go make more connections and, and be part of the community, which is why I reached out to you. And actually you reached out to me and said, thank you. So <laughs> I said, all right, well, that's what you did. You created the relationship. So I said, well, I'll, I'll contact Lisa and see what she's doing. <laughs> well, it's interesting. The phone became an important tool for us over the last two years. And and what was great is a lot of our donors were available and they were so excited to talk to us because you know, a lot of us have been locked down or trying to stay safe and stay at home. And it did open up opportunities for us to have conversations that maybe we might not have normally been able to have and to really check in and just ask people, how are you? And, and you know, do you need anything? Are you okay? And, and I think crisis can really bring people together in a positive way. And certainly, you know, we had donors that you know, chose to increase their giving. And I think people felt very helpless in 2020. And donating was one way that they could say, you know, I want to make an impact. I don't know how, but by giving, that's one way that that you can affect some change and supporting a charity that you care about is definitely a way of doing it. And there were some charities that I think did well in 2020 and some that didn't do well in 2020. And you look at the frontline charities, of course, people were giving to them. There was a huge need. And then there were the charities that might have been forgotten about. You know, I think about the arts and I think that would have been a difficult challenge to continue to garner support when people were so focused on frontline crisis, sort of giving to a crisis, so to speak. And it's, it's, I think every charity has had different challenges that they've had to weather as all businesses have had to. Yeah, but you said something really interesting. In fact, a kid's ability might be uniquely equipped for that. Because you deal with the children and families of the children with special needs, I won't want. To, I don't want to put this in the same category, but all of us had different needs now once we weren't able to connect with everybody. And I maybe think you hadn't thought about that, but you have a lot of experience in that. You have a lot of experience in dealing with the families and dealing with the children and, and figuring out what they need. And sounds to me like you just turned that on to the donors and said, hey, we see you're going through similar situations that we're experiencing. And as you ask the question, how are you doing? What an incredible way to bring that relationship and to connect with people when they really need it. No matter if they're not the ones that need the support of the center, but just need to hear a voice, need to talk to somebody and be able to feel like they do something. I think that's great. Mm -hmm. I think empathy is, and we're learning this and reading more and more about how empathy is such an important skill to have. For those types of reasons, you can build connections and when you care about your team or you care about your donors, your families, you know, you get that back 110%. So it's, yeah, it's an interesting observation. Well, a little offbeat for this, but I was reading because I, I read a lot about, you know, what's happening in organizations and how we're planning. And we've actually called our GCP a, a virtual company and now defining what that looks like. But I was reading on the weekend that a survey done in the United States of people who leave organizations, 80% put down on the list that they have a like a toxic environment or a bad boss. I mean, as, I guess in some respects should have been surprising, but 80% seemed like a pretty high number to me for mm -hmm. reasons for people to leave. So, mm -hmm. 
Well, it's interesting. I have a, a staff person that just started on our team and, and she mentioned to me this morning, she said, oh, I, you know, I met one of the other members online and she said, if the rest of the team is this nice, she's like, I've got it made. She's like, what in it? You know, she's just so kind. And I said to her, well, I only hire nice people because, <laughs> because I want to work with good, nice people. Right. And obviously I, I want to hire people with lots of skills as well, but we're, we are in an industry where, you know, as I was saying earlier, how much you, you give, you get back. And, you know, you need to be able to collaborate with your your peers. And it's just so important. I mean, everybody wants to work in an environment where they feel appreciated and supported. Well, Lisa, I also know you have to be a, a great person to attract great people. So that's a great uh, tribute to you as well. Thank you. So what do we, I'm, I'm thinking as we go forward from here and as the world opens up, what do you see that the kids' ability is going to do now to take advantage of both the virtual world that we've been through and then the physical world we come back to? And, and the reason I ask this question, because there's so many parallels to what you've been talking about that I've experienced in, in my coaching, I've seen with other companies that I hadn't really put together. And I knew there's a reason to have you on today, but I, there's a reason that there's so many similarities. So I'd be interested in your perspective as you think forward here now over the next year or so ahead. Yeah, it's a challenging time. And I know that we'll probably in the next year be looking at a combination of both. Again, still, you know, you can reach a lot of people through digital means and, you know, sending out videos. You can send that to thousands of people on your, you know, if you have an email list. But that personal connection, humans are meant to connect. And in my opinion, we're meant to connect in person. It's just the nature of being human. There's there's one thing to, to get a phone call. There's another thing to hug a human being and look them in the eye and have those connections. So we will be looking to do more in person as hopefully we, we will be able to. And it's interesting so one of the Rotary Clubs does a golf tournament for us. And in 2020, you know, we weren't sure what we should do. And so we ended up doing a virtual tournament. But in 2021, our supporters said, we want to come out. We want to be in person and, you know, get to, to say hi to you and get to come out and be together and raise funds for a great cause, but to, to do that together in person. So it was interesting that our supporters sort of encouraged us to move forward. And obviously a golf tournament is an outdoor event. We didn't hold an indoor dinner. So it was something easier that was easier to do. But that connectivity again is so important. And it was just wonderful this past year to be on the course and say hi to people that, that I hadn't seen in years. And I was just saying to my husband yesterday that, you know, all of our social circles have shrunk so small that some people that we used to, you know, see or go out for dinner with or, you know, that connection has been lost with a lot of people because we've had to keep our circles smaller. And I think there's going to be a great opportunity to open up our circles again and for charities to, to embrace that and welcome their supporters to, to again, see the impact that their donations are making. So we're hopeful for that. And I think people really want to want to see that again we're missing it i think oh well we're 
I've always said that we're human beings and the human part, the feeling part comes first and the intellectual part, the being is the second part. So I'm, I'm totally in agreement with you. I'm technically trained as an engineer. And after doing that stuff for 10 years of my life, I realized it's all about people. So the last 40 years or so has been about people for me. So I'm totally on board with you with respect to that. It's quite a thought for you and, and maybe give you your comment. Well, what I've found or what we found as we've gone through the last couple of years using Zoom or, or very targeted communications, that everything's become very intentional. And so that when you have a conversation with someone or when you do an event such as this, all becomes very intentional. And I think we're going to be able to take advantage of both the virtual and the, the physical world to be really intentional about who we target, who contributes and what we do going forward. And I wondered if that been factoring into your thinking or if you'd even considered that everything was intentional like that. I'm not sure what your thoughts might be. I I haven't really considered that, but it's a very good point. We've had to really focus our message and also, I guess, even target it a bit more than we used to. So that's an interesting point. It's one I need to think about a little more. Well, I viewed that marketing is designed to do two things. Marketing is is designed to attract those you want and repel those who you don't want. So you're not spending time with those who are not interested. We've learned through this period of time, because I was responding to your narrowing of social circles, which has certainly Mm -hmm. happened to us. Mm -hmm. Uh, We've been more in touch with my families than than we had been before. It, It just seems to me that we've got the opportunity, if we take the Jeff Bezos quote, says, "I what's going to change in the next 10 years? But his interesting question is, and not a common one, is I never get asked what's not going to change in the next 10 years. Mm-hmm. And you've described part of it as being being with people, but there may be another part now that's not going to change in the next mm-hmm. 10 years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I wonder if you'd thought about, comment on that in any way. I, I think it goes back to exactly what we've been talking about is human beings need each other. And we're not designed to be behind Zoom calls and <laughs> So to me, that's what's never going to change. That's how I feel. Yeah. And the other thing is the needs for children and youth who have special needs isn't going to change either. They're going to continue to require the support of a kid's ability. So that's going to go for a long time, I think, in our lifetime. Mm -hmm. I believe so. The needs are there. They continue to grow. And locally, we're in a community that's growing. And so there's families moving here sometimes moving here specifically for the services that we provide and uh, the impact that we make in their lives. So it's definitely something that's not going to change. And maybe one question I haven't asked you, Mm -hmm. the challenges, because my my gut sense would be there's a lot more need out there than what you're able to provide for. Mm -hmm. And I just wondered Mm -hmm. how, how, what Kids Bill thinks about that. And how do you feel about that situation? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, definitely a lot of challenges and rising to those challenges by providing things like virtual therapy. I think we've been challenged in the fact that a lot of our referral sources dried up in 2020. So we would get referrals from schools, from daycares, from people out in the community that were identifying, you know what, this child's going to fall through the cracks and I need to let these parents know that there could be an issue and and to talk to kids' abilities. So for us, we we believe that there's a lot more need coming our way because those referrals were not as readily available when, you know, kids are learning online and, you know, having lockdowns and that. So so that's an area that's been, I think, a challenge. And I think for, you know, looking at fundraising, I think every 
charity's been challenged there and losing, you know, many of us losing revenue from different types of events and, and that. So looking at how to do things differently, as I mentioned, so not be so dependent on an in-person event if there's other ways you can raise funds. And there's actually been a decline for a number of years across Canada in the number of people that are actually choosing to donate to charity. That number has been shrinking for many years, I believe. And the gap has been filled by people that, you know, are maybe more wealthy that can write a larger check or make a bigger gift. So that's definitely a challenge and a concern is how do we encourage people to continue supporting charities and also young how to engage the younger generation. They're not doing checkbook fundraising. They don't even know what a checkbook is. <laughs> so how do we engage the younger generation in in getting involved in their community and many do and but there's definitely a challenge there it has it's going to have to look different it's not going to look the same as maybe the way you donate or choose to donate or your generation as an example there's a lot of changes happening in in how people want to connect with a charity and many times they're wanting to get involved beyond donating so looking for opportunities to engage volunteers is definitely an area that we want to do more work in as well. It's been very challenging for our organization to engage volunteers the last two years, obviously due to COVID. So we want to revisit that. And what does the future look like for volunteering at places like Kids Ability? We're not sure, but we need to explore that. So lots of different challenges to keep us busy. Well, this is a, coming into final thought. It seemed to I feel from the other end, from the business side of it, is that we need to provide opportunities to our people. And I've got a number of young people that work with me to broaden their horizons, not only from a work perspective, but also from the community perspective. And whether there's an opportunity to, and particularly in the area that we live in, Kitchener-Waterloo, all the businesses that are springing up. Mm -hmm. And there's, I think, a greater consciousness about uh, social awareness. Now there was in, in, in my day and age growing up, we're more in the, what I'll call more the donation type of phase, but in actually connecting with companies for their employees, giving them an avenue that may not reach out for. And uh, that might be something that there is there to, so that the, because the companies need to do this. We all need to do this. We need to provide something for our people to do, and they don't know really where to turn. Yeah. So whether there's an opportunity for kids' abilities and other charitable organizations to reach out to the companies to provide that, both for a financial as well as a, a volunteer standpoint, Absolutely. It's a win-win and there's so many benefits to engaging for a company to engage their employees in, in volunteering and giving back. I mean, it builds that sense of community. It helps re with retention. Employee, employees are proud to work for an organization that gives back to their community. It's a really great opportunity to support the community and for your employees to, to feel good about where they work. and you know, even with our superhero challenge, we had companies that came up with unique ways to, as a team, find, find an activity. We had one company that did a motorcycle ride to each of their plants in the region, and they turned it into a really fun event. And, you know, they're just so excited to do it again and raise funds and they feel good about it. And a happy employee is, is an amazing employee. So it's a win-win for the community, for businesses. And I highly encourage it because it's incredible, the results that can come from that. Well, you know, Lisa, that reminds me because it 
we, we had adopted the Cortland Avenue public school uh, mm-hmm. on Cortland Avenue, more of an inner city style school with a lot of uh, refugee families in uh, seven and eight. And for a couple of years, because we had supportive teachers and principals and we raised money and provided for their trips and we'd go to the school and we played games with them and that sort of thing. And, and we had a lot of fun. And, but the last couple of years we've been, you know, they haven't been able to let us in. We've been kind of shut out and lost that. So uh, I'm really pleased to hear to those opportunities still exist. So amazing. Yeah. So Lisa, thank you so much for being on today. Always a pleasure to talk to you. I know it isn't very often, but I'm, I'm probably be in touch more often in the future now that we've made this connection. But thank you for being on with us. And is there any last words that you'd like to say to the audience before we close off today? I would actually. And thank you so much for the opportunity to join your podcast. I was reading the other day, and I don't have the whole quote, but there's a Chinese saying that says, if you want happiness for an hour, take a nap. If you want happiness for a day, go fishing. And if you want happiness for a lifetime, help somebody. That's, you know, and you know, I do a lot of work with China. So that's really close to home for me. So I really appreciate that comment. So Lisa, thank you very much uh, for being with us today. And to all of our audience out there, please stay safe and stay healthy until next time.